Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And folks, you know we're getting into the dramatics when we start talking about operatic phrases like poison pill. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. For those of you that haven't been following this story, Elon Musk's dalliance with Twitter has been multifaceted since the start. Early April, it's announced that he has about 9% of the company. A couple of days later, he's going to get a board seat. A few days later than that, he's no longer going to be on the board. And a few more days after that, he's put forth an offer to buy all of Twitter for the share price of $54.20. Now, in yesterday's video entitled Elon Musk versus Twitter, Musk's bid, hostile takeover law, and fiduciary duty, I talked about what a board might do if it isn't going to be willing to accept a proposal to purchase the company if they are going to go hostile. And one of the main ways that you prevent the acquisition of your company, if you're a member of a company's board of directors, is by adopting what's called a shareholder rights plan, or less euphemistically, a poison pill. Enter the Twitter board at almost precisely noon today as they put forth a press release entitled, Twitter adopts limited duration shareholder rights plan enabling all shareholders to realize the full value of the company. And yes, I used my corporate voice at the end of that headline because this is a very corporate description of what is happening here. And we will get back to this press release. Before we do, I wanted to point out that we aren't looking at a copy of the shareholder rights plan itself because it doesn't appear to be made available. I looked at their investor relations page, which they don't really keep up to date super well. Last financial release here is April 7th. They've got some stuff set up for future uh, meetings of the shareholders and whatnot. I looked at their Edgar Filings database in the SEC directly, only found statements of change for beneficial ownership, et cetera, et cetera. And I only found in their Twitter investor relations thread, which you would assume they would keep fully up to date, a copy of the press release with which we started. So we'll be talking about the nature of this particular poison pill as they describe it in their own press release. But we have to take it with a little bit of grain and salt because there could be more things in the actual plan that was adopted by the board of directors. Until then, we have to take Twitter's word for it. But what they say here, frankly, is damning enough. So let's dive in. Twitter Inc. today announced that its board of directors has unanimously adopted a limited duration shareholder rights plan. And I highlighted unanimously there because it's an important part of this puzzle. We're going to be talking about standards that apply to a board of directors once a takeover is pending. And they are higher than just the business judgment rule that we have discussed before in virtual legality, where the court basically gives deference to most things that are at all rationalized by a board of directors because the court doesn't like to put itself in the shoes of a board making decisions. The fact that this was unanimously adopted, including presumably some independent directors, is helpful to Twitter amidst what might be the litigation war to come. Continuing with the press release, the board adopted the rights plan following an unsolicited non-binding proposal to acquire Twitter. And yes, I use that voice because unsolicited non-binding proposal is intended to highlight the fact we didn't ask for this. This is some acquirer out of the sky, which we all know is Elon Musk as we discuss it in this context, but they don't have to say that in their press release and they don't want this kind of hostile activity. So the board is taking defensive measures. And what are those measures? Well, it's this rights plan. The rights plan is intended to enable all shareholders to realize the full value of their investment in Twitter. 
the rights plan will reduce the likelihood that any entity, person, or group gains control of Twitter through open market accumulation without paying all shareholders an appropriate control premium or without providing the board sufficient time to make informed judgments and take actions that are in the best interests of shareholders. We are adopting this plan, not even with some kind of bid outstanding or really any context around what Elon Musk's timing structure might be, because we are so concerned he might act too fast for us to consider what this deal might do. Not too fast to adopt a shareholder rights plan, which could obliterate the capitalization table of the company, by the way, but certainly too fast for us to otherwise evaluate the bidding question. A couple of things to note there. One, in general, boards can make the determination that a hostile bidder, an unsolicited non-binding bidder to take over a company is somehow bad for the overall value proposition. We talked about this yesterday, but the fiduciary role of the board doesn't require them to maximize short-term gain. They can create a story that says, look, this guy's going to come in. He's going to take this value, but the assets are just about ready to explode. And these are going to be worth $100 next year. He knows that he's trying to vulture in on a dip and take advantage of you shareholders. They can have those thoughts and they can take certain defensive measures if they think those things. However, in general, defensive measures are more defensible, no pun intended, when you've got some kind of coercive element to the proposed purchase, right? We talked about this as well yesterday, but the design of a coercive offer used to be a, a two-tiered offer. You get real stuff up front if you join us real quick, and you get junk, you get bad stuff at the back if you fail to join us and we have to squeeze you out in a second phase of deals. It encourages people to not think, to, to get in on that sale very, very quickly, and the law has long had a problem with that. We will see one of the defining cases on this particular question was a two-tiered offer that the court allowed a board to defend itself against. Here, Elon Musk has at least proposed in very short form that he wants to buy at 5420. It'll be all cash. And even though he says subject to financing, everybody on earth knows that he could in fact sell finance if he wanted to. So there really isn't that risk of a two-tier coercion. There could possibly be a risk of some kind of speediness coercion. The board is saying, well, he might make it so short in time that shareholders have to get on or risk losing out on that premium and otherwise harming their own interest in Twitter. They're concerned about that, but Elon Musk, at least publicly, hasn't reported any kind of timing consideration for his deal. This is, as I said in the thumbnail, Twitter throwing up the walls, going to the mattresses. They are not going to approve Elon Musk's proposal, at least by all outward appearances. So this is, if you were waiting for it, the announcement that this will be a hostile takeover bid or not a bid at all. The rights plan does not prevent the board from engaging with parties or accepting an acquisition proposal if the board believes that it is in the best interests of Twitter and its shareholders, which is really good because Delaware law requires a board to basically evaluate and approve a proposal that it in fact believes is in the best interest of Twitter and shareholders. Always best to not sign a contract that prevents you from meeting your legal rights and obligations. Continuing, the rights plan is similar to other plans adopted by publicly held companies in comparable circumstances. So here they're trying to justify it. We will see the standard here is it has to be something that's proportionate and something reasonable for what they're looking at. Now, I would argue there aren't a lot of potential takeovers that feature this kind of dynamic social media platform, billionaire tech titan, somewhat mercurial. I tend to call him an internet wildcard. There's a lot going on here that perhaps is not an exact mirror for even anything that the court has in its precedent. So comparable, really nothing comparable to this, but they're trying to make the case that this is purely reasonable. 
We are strategically minded. We evaluated this. We find his potential proposal wanting and will put our shareholders in a bad stead. And we have taken this mitigated measure to prevent our shareholders from losing out. Under the rights plan, the rights will become exercisable if an entity, person, or group acquires beneficial ownership of 15% or more of Twitter's outstanding common stock in a transaction not approved by the board. We'll come back to all this, but I want to get through it so you have a summary description in your head. In the event that the rights become exercisable due to the triggering ownership threshold being crossed, each right will entitle its holder, other than the person, entity, or group triggering the rights plan whose rights will become void and will not be exercisable, to purchase at the then-current exercise price additional shares of common stock having a then-current market value of twice the exercise price of the right. This is kind of a reverse way of describing this, so I don't blame anybody who put a DM to me out there or otherwise contacted me and said, Rick, what, what in the world does that paragraph mean? So in short, it means you can buy shares of Twitter on a two-for-one sale the moment after someone goes over 15%. Right? If you break down what this is actually saying, it says, if Elon Musk goes to 15% and a share, everybody but Elon Musk is going to be sold shares from Twitter at half market price, that they can exercise the right to a share of Twitter stock at half the price of whatever it's showing on the market that day. Now, this is enormously, enormously dangerous for basically everybody involved. The reason this is called a poison pill is because it kills everyone if it winds up getting enacted, right? If Elon Musk goes to 15.1% or wherever he might stop up, every other shareholder has the right to buy stock at Twitter at a discount. But that means that the capitalization table of the company can be absolutely obliterated. Everybody either has to find capital to match their current interest in the company, or some do and some don't, and the capitalization becomes a quagmire of who's invested, who's not, where the money's coming from, how people are buying these various things. All hell breaks loose, which means that in an important respect, what the board of Twitter has done here is given a gun to what they view as a madman. Elon Musk could very easily just say, all right, I'll buy 6% more of the company. We'll trigger all of this. And then I'll liquidate anyway. Because as far as I can tell, I just did a video today about him setting a price that was $145 million more than it had to be solely for lulls. He can look at this and say, okay, I just want to make things difficult. We're going to cross this threshold. What are you going to do then, Twitter? What's going to happen then, Twitter? And who knows what happens then? Ostensibly, if you're not dealing with an Elon Musk, what this does is make it enormously more expensive for this person to buy up all of the company. Because once you cross that threshold, you'll have to buy many, 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 many more shares in order to purchase the company whole. But if you're dealing with a character like Elon Musk, there's no guarantee that that acquisition would even go through after he obliterates the capitalization table. So there's a couple of options that can happen now. Twitter has announced to the world that it is hostile to Elon Musk's takeover bid. Elon could just eat it and spend whatever extra money there is. And I could do the math, uh, but it's probably on the order of a few billion dollars, maybe nine or 10 even, uh, in order to purchase what would be the then diluted shares he has in order to get up to that 100%. There would just be a lot more shares floating out there, more than the 700 some odd million that he would have to purchase without this plan in existence. More to the point, however, this opens up the board to litigation from basically all corners, right? A shareholder that wants to sell to Elon Musk at that 5420, who is now dissuaded by the Twitter board from even proceeding with this at all, 
is very unlikely to be able to sell it to him if Elon just walks away. Or Elon himself can say, board, you are trying to entrench your management position. You are breaching your fiduciary obligations to your shareholders. Your story is bad and worse. You have made it all but impossible for me to purchase this company for a disproportionate amount of time. Right? This press release says the rights plan will expire on April 14th, 2023. It's a full year. We've gone for a full year of chilling effect on potential acquirers of the company because I offered to give your shareholders a 38% premium, right? Elon could easily make that case, as could a shareholder that felt upset that the board had done this. We don't see a copy of the plan, so that's about what we can say there, but we can talk about poison pills a little bit more fulsomely. I've brought up an article from 1987, actually, just to give you a summary so we can talk about it uh, on an educated basis. Then we're going to be talking about the standards that apply to a board. It's not the business judgment rule when they're in the shadow of a takeover. It says, in general, poison pill plans are implemented through the issuance of a pro rata dividend to common stockholders of stock or rights to acquire stock and or other securities of the issuer or the person doing the acquiring. Poison pills are generally not exercisable until the occurrence of a specified triggering event, here the 15% threshold, such as a merger or other business combination with the issuer, etc., etc. The poison pill may exclude the acquiring person, which we did in fact see, and typically poison pill rights are redeemable by the issuer at a nominal price, at least until a triggering event occurs. Since their introduction in 1983, the 80s were really hot on this kind of thing, there are five different things that can happen here. I'm only going to focus on one because it is what is happening here. Flip in provisions, permit rights holders, except the acquiring person, to purchase stock or debt of the issuer at a bargain price prior to or regardless of a subsequent business combination. So what you've got here is he crosses that threshold and everybody buys two for one or half price from the company and that kills the capitalization table, puts all these extra shares out there, has all sorts of capitalization problems uh, for the many, many people that otherwise own stock in Twitter and of course, when dealing with a wild card, that's its own issue. The modification, variation, and adaptation of poison pill plans to particular circumstances prevents any conclusive determination in a general sense of their legality or validity. Said another way, these things are all different. So we can't just make a blanket statement that says they're illegal or they're legal, but it's a very fraught position for a board to be in. It has been judicially established that the adoption of certain defensive measures in response to coercive or abusive acquisition techniques, or as a means of providing a target corporation's board of directors with negotiating power to respond to threats to use such techniques may be protected under the business judgment rule, the overall rule governing how a court will look at a board of directors' actions. But note, an all-cash deal at a set price without any kind of time deadline otherwise set forth isn't traditionally how we would think of as a coercive type of offer. However, as this article continues, such actions are limited by the fiduciary obligations of directors in the takeover context that, among other things, preclude them from adopting measures with the principal purpose of entrenching existing management. Recognizing the inherent conflict of interest faced by directors, the Delaware Supreme Court has imposed significant prerequisites to the application of the business judgment rule in the takeover context, and accordingly, directors bear the initial burden of establishing that defensive measures are adopted in good faith after reasonable investigation and are reasonable in relation to the threat posed, whatever that might be. And that comes from a very famous decision in 1985 called Unical. That's what we're going to be looking at in just a second. But before we do, I did want to point out, I'd love to show you what happened to the Twitter stock price when this was announced at noon today. Unfortunately, or fortunately, if you're on the Twitter board, 
today is a non-trading day. It's Good Friday. And so whatever reaction realistically happened to the Twitter stock when this was adopted won't be shown today. It won't be shown for a number of days yet. And I will be very interested to see what happens. Traditionally, when you adopt a plan like this, the share price goes down. You've eliminated the ability for sellers to come in and take advantage of an excited acquirer of the company here for a year hence, which I have to point out in the tech field is an eon. A year is a very, very long time to say we are protected from unsolicited bids, from hostile takeover attempts at our company. And that in and of itself is probably a conversation about proportionality. But here we are. Twitter has declared it is hostile to takeover attempts and does not want Elon Musk to buy the company. So let's take a look at what is said in Unical, which ironically enough is a $54 offer in and of itself. Now, here's the analysis. We're going to get into this analysis. I've skipped the summary here. I'm actually going to use Wikipedia for this. Wikipedia, I don't recommend for actually understanding case law too much, but it does a good job of summarizing facts when, frankly, courts take a long time because it's important to get the details right when Wikipedia doesn't really care. Mesa Petroleum had made a front-end loaded two-tiered hostile bid for Unical Corporation. Okay, so Mesa here is Elon Musk. Unical is Twitter. They come in and say, we want to buy all your stock in which the front end was $54 in cash and the back end was $54 in junk bonds. Because most shareholders would prefer to receive the cash instead of the bonds, shareholders were expected to tender their shares into the deal, even if they did not think $54 was a fair price. If a shareholder declined to tender, that shareholder risked being cashed out for $54 in risky debt instruments, those junk bonds as described here in Wikipedia, instead of cash. That is what a traditional coercive offer looks like. Get in now or get whatever we give you and be happy with it. And here, this court will find that Unical investigated this, found that the junk bonds weren't really worth $54 and tried to buy their own stock for more. In response to the Mesa tender offer, Unical made a self-tender. All right, we'll buy the stock from you at $72 for all but the Mesa shares. So an early kind of stockholder rights plan concept. In fact, it was the Unical decision that really fomented all the stock rights plans getting adopted uh, back in the 80s and even through to today. So Unical does this and then it becomes a big court fight. Are they allowed to do that? Is a board allowed to get in the way of this process uh, if it analyzes it this way? And here the Unical court has a very long-winded explanation for this, but we're only going to talk about the really substantive part in the middle. The court says, we must bear in mind the inherent danger in the purchase of shares with corporate funds to remove a threat to corporate policy when a threat to control is involved. And that's not happening here. They aren't doing a self-tender. What they are doing is offering their shares at half price, which means they are giving up money that they could have made. And as a fiduciary, ordinarily, that would be bad. If you were just saying, hey, we're just going to give away our shares at half price, you would really have to justify that. Here, they're going to justify it by saying this hostile bid is hostile to the value proposition of the company and is bad for shareholders. So it's very equivalent. And that's why this kind of thought from Unical and other cases applies to all of these kinds of defensive measures. The directors are of necessity confronted with a conflict of interest. They'd like to keep their jobs. They like running Twitter. And an objective decision is difficult. In the face of this inherent conflict, directors must show that they had reasonable grounds for believing that a danger to corporate policy and effectiveness existed because of another person's stock ownership. 
you believe that there's a danger to the usefulness of the company from Elon Musk swooping in. Furthermore, such proof is materially enhanced as here by the approval of a board comprised of a majority of outside independent directors who have acted in accordance with the foregoing standards of good faith, reasonable investigation. I don't know what the setup of ownership is on the Twitter board, but it is a unanimous decision. Assuming that there is at least some independence on that, that does help uh, kind of solidify their stance. That will be something that would come up in litigation to come if it does in fact come. In the board's exercise of corporate power to forestall a takeover bid, our analysis begins with the basic principle that corporate directors have a fiduciary duty to act in the best interests of the corporation stockholders. They can't just act to save their jobs. They can't just act because they like running Twitter. They are fiduciaries for other people who gave them money. And so the court has to look at their actions, even here in the shadow of a takeover, in that context. As we have noted, their duty of care extends to protecting the corporation and its owners from perceived harm, whether a threat originates from third parties or other shareholders, but such powers are not absolute. A corporation does not have unbridled discretion to defeat any perceived threat by any draconian means available. The restriction placed upon a selective stock repurchase is that the directors may not have acted solely or primarily out of a desire to perpetuate themselves in office. You cannot just be acting to entrench yourself. The standard of proof established in these various other cases is designed to ensure that a defensive measure to thwart or impede a takeover is indeed motivated by a good faith concern for the welfare of the corporation and its stockholders, which in all circumstances must be free of any fraud or other misconduct. However, this does not end the inquiry. So as I said, the Twitter board can take a step back and they can say Elon Musk is a danger to the value of the company. They might say more about what he's a danger to, but for purposes of this analysis, they would be saying Elon Musk is a danger to the value. He has taken advantage of this dip. $54 isn't enough for what you own. Stick with us and we're going to throw up the walls. We're going to engage in all of this stuff. We're going to swallow a poison pill and we're going to take a ride with you all because that price isn't enough. And we find its presentation in all likelihood somewhat coercive. They're going to have to make that case as well. Why? because defense has to be in balance. If a defensive measure is to come within the ambit of the business judgment rule overall, if the court is not going to second guess the board's decision-making, it must be reasonable in relation to the threat posed. This entails an analysis by the directors of the nature of the takeover bid and its effect on the corporate enterprise. Example of concerns include inadequacy of the price offered. It's not enough money. We think the inherent value of Twitter is actually $140. Nature and timing of the offer. Obviously, surprise, we only knew about Elon investing about 10 days ago, a little bit more. Questions of illegality. Well, he's not great at filing SEC forms, but probably not a question of illegality overall with him just purchasing the company. The impact on constituencies other than shareholders, creditors, customers, employees, and perhaps even the community generally. The risk of non-consummation. This deal isn't going to go through. As I said yesterday, you don't have to accept the kind of napkin offer that Elon Musk sent if it's from Hogue. I don't have $40 billion I can throw at this. They know that. They can't say the same about Elon Musk. And the quality of securities being offered in the exchange. No securities being offered at all. All cash. That is very, very helpful to Elon Musk's defense here. 
While not a controlling factor, it also seems to us that a board may reasonably consider the basic stockholder interests at stake, including those of short-term speculators whose actions may have fueled the coercive aspect of the offer at the expense of the long-term investor. There might be some playing around going on with the stock price over the last 14 days. And I think you can make that argument, potentially. Specifically here in Unical, the Unical directors had concluded that the value of Unical was substantially above the $54 per share offered in cash at the front end. Furthermore, they determined that the subordinated securities to be exchanged in Mesa's announced squeeze out of the remaining shareholders in the back end merger were junk bonds worth far less than $54. That is the standard at play. So what is the state of play as of today? Elon has made a bid for 54.20. The board has gone to the mattresses. They have circled the wagons. Whatever metaphor you would prefer to use, they have signaled they are not going to accept that bid. They probably aren't even going to treat with it on any kind of reasoned basis. They have instead swallowed a poison pill that is in effect for at least a year. And Elon Musk is now at bat. We don't know what he will do. He might walk away. He might liquidate his shares. He might just go and trip the darn thing and then liquidate or go for it all and spend the extra billions of dollars. We have no idea what the board is going to do from here. We have no idea what Elon Musk is going to do from here. But you can be sure it's going to be very interesting. It's going to be very exciting. And it may well entail some very, very contentious litigation from some very well-heeled participants. This has been Virtual Legality for today. If you enjoy this kind of conversation about technology, law, hostile takeovers, and more, please consider supporting us at Utreon or Patreon. We cannot do it without support from viewers and listeners like you. Otherwise, just subscribing, telling your friends that we're here, engaging with the content, comments, upvotes, downvotes, and everything else. Every little bit is seen by YouTube, helps us grow the channel. Otherwise, if you caught this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.